I'm Bishop Sherman Young. Each week, the Word Break podcast answers questions about God, faith, and other spiritual issues. Here is this week's message. I want to take a few minutes tonight because we do need to come to the table as we're getting ready to embark on this new year of service to the Lord. And we come together for the purpose of understanding, first of all, a fellowship and then what God would have us to be about as we go as his servants into the new year. And so I want to read from the Old Testament a text that you're familiar with, and I want to talk on the subject, count on this. Would you repeat that after me, please? Count on this. Touch the person next to to you and tell them you need to know who to count on in 2016. I want to read from 1 Chronicles, if you would have your Bible open and look there. And I want us to look at 1 Chronicles chapter 21, beginning with verse 1. 1 Chronicles chapter 21 and beginning with verse 1. In the Old Testament book, 1 Chronicles chapter 21 and beginning at verse 1. And you'll find this word recorded. Now Satan stood up against Israel and moved David to count Israel. So David said to Joab and to the leaders of the people, go count Israel from Beersheba to Dan and bring the number of them to me that I may know it. And Joab answered, may the Lord make his people a hundred times more than they are. But my Lord, the king And are they not all my Lord's servants? Why then does my Lord require this thing? Why should he be a cause of guilt to Israel? Nevertheless, the king's word prevailed against Joab. Therefore, Joab departed, went throughout all Israel, and came to Jerusalem. And then Joab gave the sum of the number or the count of the people to David. And all Israel had 1,100,000 men who drew the sword, and Judah had 470,000 men who drew the sword. But he did not count Levi and Benjamin among them, for the king's word was abominable to Joab. And God was displeased with this thing. Therefore he struck Israel. So David said to God, I have sinned greatly because I have done this thing. But now I pray, take away the iniquity of your servant, for I have done very foolishly. And then the Lord spoke to David's seer, saying, go and tell David, saying, thus says the Lord, I offer you three things. Choose one of them for yourself, that I may do it to you. So Gad came to David and said to him, Thus said the Lord, choose for yourself either three years of famine or three months 
to be defeated by your enemies with the sword of your enemies overtaking you or else three days in the hand of the Lord. The plague in the land, the angel of the Lord destroying throughout all the territory of Israel. Now consider what I say or what I should take back to him who sent me. David said to Gad, I'm in great distress. Please let me not fall or please let me fall into the hand of the Lord. For his mercies are very great. But do not let me fall into the hand of man. I want to reason with you on this matter of count on this. And talk to you about the entire struggle between the ambiguous and the absolute. The position that David finds himself in. Because David, God's servant, got scared. And this is the story of the faithlessness of David despite his history with God. This is the same David, man after God's heart. This is David, the Psalter, the writer of the Psalms, the hymns of praise. This is David, the one that God had used over and over again to bring victory to Israel. But one day, he got scared and had a crisis in faith. The giants kept coming. And when you read 1 Chronicles chapter 20, there were three giants that had to be killed. Many times we think only of David having the confrontation as a boy with Goliath. But his whole military career, he was confronted with giants. And God gave him victory upon victory upon victory. But in the midst of his success, he had a crisis in faith. And according to the word that we've read tonight, David took it into his own hands. He took the carnal route, the natural way. With the threat of battle upon him, he wanted to know how many soldiers were available. He'd never counted before. Every other time he'd gone to war and God gave him victory, the victory did not come from numbers. The victory came from God. And David being carnal thought that it would be a wise thing to find out how many soldiers were ready. Even the captain of the army disagreed with him and said to him that there is no need to do that because we are not ordinary Soldiers, we fight under an anointing. And what wins is not our brute strength. In the kingdom of God, what wins is not our numbers. We often get concerned, how many people do we have? How much money does our people have? How big or small is our church? How many families do we have? Not understanding that victory does not come from numbers. Victory comes from the Lord. And God 
adds to courage. It's not how many people you have. It's how courageous you are. This is God after all. This is the God that gave victory to Gideon when Gideon had far too few to go to battle. This is God, you know. This is God like Jesus that took 12 and turned the world upside down. This is God, you understand, that when the vision is in place, numbers are irrelevant. Your church may be large or small, but you have not done what you've done because of your numbers. You do what you do because of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And this lesson teaches us that not only does God add to courage, but God punishes a lack of courage. When God tells you to do something, you do it. You do it without hesitation. You do it without calculation. You don't let your budget determine your vision. Your vision determines your budget. Because the same God who gives vision gives provision. And the provision is already in place before the vision is ever revealed to you. God would be a monster to give you vision knowing that you needed resources and there were no resources. And so you understand that David stepped away from the will of God. You know, there are myths about leadership that I hear all the time. I hear people, this is one of them, they think obedience makes serving God easier. Well, that's wrong. For some reason, we think if we are obeying the Lord, our way will be easy. When the Bible teaches the opposite. Whenever you come into complete obedience, you can expect opposition. You can expect warfare. You can expect there to be tiredness and fatigue, grumbling and mumbling amongst your own camp. Whenever you're doing the will of God, never think that the will of God will be easily done because you're obeying the Lord. There is opposition to the obedient. Then I hear other people say, well, God calls us to serve because our faith is strong. Well, that's wrong. God doesn't call me because my faith is strong. God calls me and then it's my responsibility to build my faith. You see, God gives me the vision and the direction, but if I'm going to have faith for it, that's not God's job. God gives grace, I must provide faith. And if I'm struggling along, it's no need of me looking at God, I have to look at my faith. Am I counting the wrong thing? Am I counting on the wrong thing? Another thing I hear people say is that God's will can be sabotaged by the devil. Well, that's not true. If Satan could sabotage the will of God, we wouldn't be saved tonight. If Satan could sabotage what God wants to do in your life, you wouldn't be in church tonight. If Satan had any power to overthrow you or what God wants to do in your life, you wouldn't ever be able to pray. You'd never be able to worship. You'd never be able to praise. The truth is Satan can't kill you. Satan cannot overthrow a child of God because Satan is a fallen angel but I am a son of God 
And because I am a son of God, I have authority greater than his authority on the earth. Satan is here illegally. He's a trespasser. He's a coward and an eavesdropper. He walks to and fro on the earth illegally. The earth was not made for him. Angels were not made to live on the earth. That's why when he gets ready to do anything, he has to get in the heart of a person and has to lead that person into terrorism. I has to lead that person into murder or lead them into a criminal lifestyle. He has to possess or demonically oppress them because people are here legally. And the truth is the devil can't do anything to hurt you that you don't permit. I wish I had a witness. He can't stop your dreams. He can't stop your vision. He doesn't know how to stop you. You're covered in the blood of Jesus. You're filled with the Holy Ghost. You've got angels all around you 24-7. You've got a security team better than the president. The devil can't kill you. He can only deceive you. Now I want you to see four things. David's seduction, David's sin, David's selection, and David's salvation. First of all, look at his seduction. Satan comes in. What does the Bible say? He stood up. And when he stands up, you can tell him, sit down. Let me try that again. I think you missed it. Yes, he will stand up. But you have the authority to tell him to sit down. But David got seduced by his own circumstance. Sometimes you look around at your money, you look around at your life, you look around at your age, you look around at your birthday, you look around at what you lost, you look around at the opposition, you look around at how well others are doing and everything just gets to you. And you can't pray right, you can't praise right, you can't serve right. Because your own personal image and self-esteem is down. And that's the prime time that the enemy moves in. How does he seduce David? Well, first of all, he cites facts rather than the truth. Yeah, it was a fact that David was in warfare. It was a fact he lost some good men. It was a fact that the giants keep on coming. But you got to remember, God is trying to move your ministry to the land of the giants. God has never been about small things. I wish I had a witness here. When he brought Israel out of Egypt, he said, now you're going to the promised land. Where it will take two of you to carry a bunch of grapes. You're going to the promised land where you are the size of grasshoppers in front of the people that possess the land right now. But don't be afraid of that. I want you in the land of the giants. See, that's the truth. But the facts don't always match the truth. But you got to understand, you got to learn to make your facts in your life serve the truth. Oh, bring your facts to the truth. You went to the doctor. The doctor said cancer is incurable. Those are the facts. But it's not the truth. I wish I had a witness here. 
You look at what's going wrong in your life and you think you're going down. That may be a fact, but it's not the truth. Because listen, wherever God is, a rebound is always possible. Touch somebody, tell them there's a rebound inside of you. And no matter what happens in your life, you can always bounce back. I heard somebody say God is the God of a second chance. I know that ain't so because I messed up the second chance a long time ago. No, he's a God of another chance. And every time I pray and ask him, he'll open another door. That's the truth. You see, God isn't concerned about right and wrong. God is concerned about truth. And I know we do a lot of preaching and teaching about this is right, that ain't right, this is right. Right and wrong in our society is based on who's in charge. I wish I had a witness here. A hundred years ago, it was wrong for a black man to own land. Wrong for a black person to be able to ride at the front of the bus. Wrong. The law said you couldn't vote. It was right that white folk did all the voting and you did none of the voting. But the laws have changed. And what used to be wrong is now right. And consequently, some things that used to be right are now wrong. But God is not about right and wrong. God is about truth. And truth never changes. The Bible said God is good. His mercy endures forever. His truth endures to all generations. The same thing true about God a thousand years ago is still true right now. He's still the same God. He's still the same omniscient God. He's, I wish I had a witness here. He's still the same omnipresent God. He's still the same healing God. He's still the same delivering God. He's still the same miracle working God. He's still the same resurrecting God. He's still the same life giving God. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So don't worry about your facts. Don't worry about the facts in your church. Look for the truth. Because what God did for one, he'll do for you. But he made David look at the facts. Then he incited fear. Somebody say fear. Fear, fear and faith cannot occupy the same space. If you're afraid, God can't use you. But then he recites fables. The enemy whispers in your ear what's possible and not possible. But you know the word is right. Now look at David's sin. He counted the resources without considering the source. You see, we've got a thing going on provision. But Bishop Evans, it's not about provision. It's about the provider. In this life. Everything that God provides eventually runs out. Oh yeah, he's a provider, but it don't last long. He provides food, but you still get hungry and need more. I wish I had some help. He provided a car for you to have transportation to work, but it broke down one day. So now he's got to provide another one. Everything in this world that comes through provision has an expiration date on it. So I decided to not love the provision, but love the provider. Because I never need a new Jesus. I never need a new God. 
I never need a new father. There is no expiration date on grace. David counted resources. Baby, don't look at your resources. Look at the source. Because the same one that gave you these resources can give you more resources. Then David said also, he forgot how battles were won. He, he started thinking he was great. Go out and count the soldiers so I can see where we stand. Your battles have never been won in your own strength. I know you're educated. I know you've got some things. I know you've got some hookups, some connections. I know, you know, but understand it has never been in your own strength. The battle is the Lord. Somebody said that with me. The battle. Because you see what? David started looking at his soldiers as if they were his. Soldiers rather than God's children. You know, the folk you have in your ministry, I know you want my folk. The truth is, they're God's children. And whatever gets done, it will be done through his grace. Yeah, it's right to count your people. But David fooled around and counted God's people. Oh, I don't have a witness here. He misunderstood that when you're counting, you cannot count what belongs to God. Because he has funny arithmetic. Vincent Bell, God can take two fish and five loaves and turn it into enough to feed over 5,000 in the wilderness and still have more leftovers in baskets than you had when you first saw the fish and loaves. Because see, here's the way God works. They counted everything that day but the wrong thing. Jesus said, How, what do you have here? They said, two fish. Five loaves, 200 pennies. They said, that's not enough. He said, count again. What do you see? Two fish, five loaves, 200 pennies. That's not enough. Count again. You know why? Because they discounted the major thing. They did have two fish. They did have five loaves. They did have 200 pennies, but they had one Jesus. And you put one Jesus. I wish I had a witness. With a debit in your bank account. You put one Jesus with a car that won't crank. You put one Jesus in the equation and it's more than enough. See the thing about God is he can't help but multiply. That's his nature. The Bible said where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. You know why? Because grace is immeasurable. You can't count the grace of God. You can't measure the grace of God. It's too high. You know the old folk used to say, he's so high you can't go over it. He's so low you can't go under it. He's so wide you can't go around him. And the Bible said, listen, I got to get through. It said God was displeased. And nature got involved. I know recently you've wondered what's been going on in nature. Hot days in the winter. When it rains, it won't stop. When it floods, it floods and floods. 
I know you've wondered what's going on, but what you've got to understand is nature is on God's side against mankind. See, nature has never wanted you here. Because out of everything that God made on the earth, the only thing that's ever rebelled against God was man. The fish still swim, the birds still fly, the wolves still howl, the elephants still blow. The only thing that ever looked back at the creator and said no was man. And from that day to this day, nature has tried to get rid of you. Paul said the whole creation groans and travails in pain together until now. Nature has an upset stomach. Nature has a migraine headache. Because mankind is on the earth. And man rebels against God. Oh, come on now. I'm in Bible country. Read the Bible. Read the Bible. When man gets so wicked and wicked and wicked, what happens? Nature gets involved. It rains 40 days, 40 nights. The Niagara from the sky drown every human being except one man, his wife, and children. Nature gets involved. I wish I had a witness. When you read in the Bible, Joshua, who is fighting for the kingdom of God, needed more daylight. So what happened? Some celestial secretary put the sun on the hold button. And sunlight was extended to help Joshua advance the kingdom of God. Oh, I don't have a witness here. When Moses and the Israelis go through the Red Sea, nature got involved. A wind stood the sea up on both sides. And then fan the sea bottom so that Moses and the Israelites went across on dry land. But when Pharaoh and his army comes along, nature looks at it and says, uh-uh. And then blows again and drowns Pharaoh's army. Oh, I wish I had a Bible reader. Even when Jesus was on the cross, nature said, I'm not supporting that. Because God became sin. Jesus became your sin. He didn't die just for your sin. He became sin. The Bible said he became your adultery. He became lying. He became theft. He became cheating. He became murder. He became sin. And nature said, I'm not going to cooperate with that. And nature looked at it and the sun said, "Mm -mm, I'm not going to shine on it. I don't ever want anybody to see that. The earth began to shake like a man's hand with Parkinson's disease. And I do believe it was trying to shake him from the cross. You see, that's why that day when the storm came up and the disciples were so scared and Jesus came up on the top deck and he looked at nature and said, Hey, I'm on this ship. Back off. I don't have any help here. And the storm rolled backwards. I know you're wondering about all this funny weather we've been having, but maybe it is the result of the fact that man is so rebellious against God. That every time the Supreme Court takes a vote, it's against the will of God. 
I wish somebody would pray with me here. Maybe the reason why nature is misbehaving is because it's trying to let you know God is displeased. The church is for sale to the highest bidder. Black preachers lining up behind Donald Trump. Oh, I don't have any witnesses up in here now. Preacher, you can't cooperate with everybody come along with some money. You gotta have some principle. You gotta have some standards. And you gotta teach your church to have standards. The church is not for sale. We've been bought with a price. Man's rebellion has caused nature to erupt. And so in Israel, nature went wild. And David said, I'm guilty. Now check this out. The nation, I'm done, the nation is being punished for the king's sin. Oh, I don't have a witness here. You see, you would think that's unfair. You would say, well, no, that's not right. David ought to be punished. He made the decision. But no, no. Your decision can impact what goes on in other lives. I'm through. But God was displeased. Now look at his selection. He sent the prophet. Somebody say he sent the prophet. I'm through. I'm through. And the prophet came in and said to David, you got three choices. Let me lay them out for you. Got three choices. Because something is going to have to be done. For what you've done. So you got three years in the hands of nature. Three months in the hands of man. Three days in the hands of God. Bishop Burns, what a choice. Because he is king, he can decide here. Let nature bring famine and flood for three years. We can build back. But that's not an option. So what's my other choice? Three months in the hands of man. Let men have their way. Let men treat you any way they want to. Let men ravage. Let men pillage. Let men do what they want to do. Or three days in the hand of God. Well, God is to be feared. God can do to you what man and nature combined could never do. I wish I had a witness here. God handles life and death. And he can keep you alive, punish your soul until you wish you could die. But he won't let you die. That's some choice. And here's what David said, and I'm through. He said to the prophet, I've gone over my options. And I don't want three years in the hands of nature because I don't know what nature might do. And I know that we don't have the resources to go up against nature. And then I don't want three years in the hand of men because men are jealous. Men are corrupt. Men are backbiters. Men are mean. Men are low down. I tell you what, I'll take three days in the hand of God. He said, because I realize that God has mercy. The truth is, 
I know that God is all powerful. And I know that God should be feared. And I know that God should be respected. But I know he will have mercy. You know, I remember when I was growing up, there were times my mother would say, I'm going to tell your daddy what you did when he gets home. Now, my mother could give good whippings, but my father would give terrible whippings. And so many times I'd be afraid because I knew that daddy was coming home. And I understood his hand was heavier than mama's hand. But then I also understood my father was a man of compassion. And so many times when he began to come after me and begin to discipline me, if I hollered my repentance real loud, it would bring an end to the punishment. You know, I understand that God is to be feared. And I understand that God is to be revered. And I understand that God is all-powerful. But I also understand he is a God of mercy. Do you hear me? And I hear David saying later on in his life, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And wherever the Lord is, is where I want to be. Do you hear me? Because God is a God of mercy And God is a God of truth And God is a God of grace Yes Lord And the Bible says Let us come boldly To the throne of grace Where we might obtain grace And mercy At the time of need And I want to close by telling you Fall on the mercy of the Lord do you hear me? Fall on the mercy of God. Yes, Lord. Because, oh, wherever God is, his mercy is right there. The Bible said his mercy is made new every morning. And I don't know about you, but I need that. Because I used up all of Saturday's mercy on yesterday. Now I need Sunday mercy. And tomorrow he's going to give me Monday mercy and the day after that he's going to give me Tuesday mercy because his mercy is everlasting do you hear me and his truth endures to all generations fall on the mercy of the Lord fall on the mercy of the Lord because he's able I said he's able he's able he's able he's able he's able to save he's able to restore he's able to give you the victory fall on I said, fall on the mercy of the Lord. 
I said, fall on the mercy of the Lord. Won't he lift you up? Won't he let you stand? Won't he build you up? Won't he give you the desires of your heart? Say yes! I just wanted a vote right there. Can you say it one more time? Say yes! 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 Yeah, yeah. Ah, yeah. Ah, 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 yeah. Come to Jesus. Count on this. God is good. Count on that. God is merciful. Count on that. God is gracious. Count on that. Jesus will save you. Count on that. Jesus will deliver you. Count on that. Jesus will see you through. Count on that. Count on him who is able. Yes, he's able. Give me one more minute. Uh, oh!